So guys, one of the best events of the year is coming up. I'm talking about HubSpot's annual Inbound Conference in Boston. Inbound is the event of the year for business leaders working in marketing, sales, customer service, and operations, and much more. You can discover all the latest must-know trends and tactics that you can actually put into place to scale your business in a sustainable way. And I think you'll love it. So make sure you mark your calendars for September 5th through 8th, 2023. You'll be able to catch talks from amazing talent like Yvette Noel Shore. Yes, the Yvette, Beyonce's advisor and publicist, plus Guy Raz, Morgan DeBond, and so much more with multiple stages featuring industry experts and tracks from sales strategy to AI and innovation. You'll walk away with practical tips that you can put into action right away. Plus, you'll connect with other leaders from some of the most exciting and innovative companies in the world. This year is going to be unforgettable. So tickets are selling out fast. Head over to inbound.com to get yours today. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, friends, it's Nikayla here back with another episode. Today, I have Unique Jones Gibson, a self-described cultural architect, brand builder, and social activist whose revolutionary campaigns have created global movements. In 2013, she launched Because of Them, We Can, an award-winning campaign which has now evolved into a worldwide media platform for Black excellence. She's also the creator of the hit game Culture Tag which many of you might be familiar with. And that game encapsulates the nostalgia of the Black experience and Black culture. Unique serves as the CEO and Chief Creative Officer of the innovative agency Culture Brands, as well as CEO of the Happy Hughes Company, an inclusive baby essentials company focused on nurturing happy and healthy babies. Collectively, Unique's portfolio highlights her commitment to representation and the celebration of culture and community. Unique demonstrates how you can approach your multi-passions, one business at a time. Let's get right into it. Welcome, welcome, Unique, to the guest chair of Side Hustle Pro. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Listen, I have followed you from before I knew I was going to start a podcast from before, I think back in the days when I was still using Google Reader, you know, like wow. it has been a while. And to like I was saying in the pre-show, just to see your evolution has been really inspiring. And I mean, you are the epitome of just bringing multi-passions to life and thriving and not having to just choose one thing, but doing one thing at a time and getting it good before starting that next thing. So tell us a little bit about this background that led to this dynamic entrepreneur that you are today. What was your original career path that you were following? Yeah, I came out of Bowie State University, which is an HBCU in Maryland, as a communications major and went straight to New York working for Microsoft. So I have a marketing background, particularly in the online space. So I graduated at a time when the online advertising industry really started to boom. And so it was a great time, but I definitely come from a marketing background. 
That makes sense. I didn't know that. How long were you at Microsoft? For a few years, for a few years. And I was in the online space uh, for a while. So I started off at Microsoft. I worked at AOL, worked for a company called Custom Inc. So definitely cut my teeth, really learned a lot at Microsoft between New York and Seattle, and then just really got my feet wet and really submerged in the industry uh, for the first few years out of college and just grew it from there. So when did you start side hustling and dabbling in your creative pursuits on the side? Yeah, so side hustling for me started while I was at Microsoft in New York. I was a uh, good performer in terms of my work skill and ability. And I got some points and was able to use them to purchase something from a catalog. And I purchased a camera. And I started using that camera on the weekends to teach myself photography. So side hustling for me really started with photography with a Canon and with YouTube and lots of trial and error. That's when I started my uh, entryway into the side hustle uh, universe. Once you started learning those skills, did you immediately start building what would become the Because of Them We Can platform? I didn't know I was putting the foundational pieces in place for the Because of Them We Can platform. But yes, when I got my camera and I taught myself how to use it, I started to uh, take pictures of families and kids and really life cycles and started to make really good money doing that. And what happened for me is in the midst of all of that, we started to I have a lot of instances of uh, just discrimination and racial unrest. And we had the murder of Trayvon Martin. And at that time, I really understood how my camera could serve as a microphone. Being a person who's grown up to be outspoken, I started to use my art as a voice. And that was really how I started to put the pieces in place to understand how I could leverage my marketing background, my passion for social justice, and this new skill set that I had developed to really create my own marketing campaigns, but marketing uh, Black excellence, uh, Black pride, Black joy, um, and just all the positive things that were happening in our community, but also using it to push back against the system with the I Am Trayvon Martin campaign. And so those were the building blocks, launched the I Am Trayvon Martin campaign. And then a year later, I launched the Because of Them We Can campaign, which is of course evolved into the Because of Them We Can platform. Yes. I remember when you started the Because of Them We Can campaign. Can you talk a little bit about what the early days of that looked like, what the first manifestation was? Yeah, for sure. It was February 2013. So about 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, I was we were approaching the one year anniversary of Trayvon Martin's murder. And I was just looking at how at that time, if you could think back, there wasn't a lot of effort put into Black history campaigns from a marketing perspective. Uh, actually what was happening was a lot of jokes and a lot of memes, although they didn't have a name at that time. And I was kind of frustrated being a mother of two black boys and paying attention to what was happening in the country. I really saw it as an opportunity for me to use Black History Month to uh, reimagine black history and to get people excited about it, but to also refresh it with a new lens. And so uh, the first iteration of the Because of Them We Can campaign was uh, me going back to the people that I had worked with in my photography business who had children and saying, hey, funny enough, I think your daughter looks like Rosa Parks. <laughs> can I take a picture of her? Or and I think your son looks like Frederick Douglass. And just it so happened that these people trusted me and this crazy idea that I had. And I used my own son who posed as Muhammad Ali. And I took 28 pictures uh, featuring young people from the ages of 18 months to 
five, six, and seven years old. And every day in the month of February in 2013, I released a picture a day alongside a quote or a caption or something that this, this person was known for saying or something that really uh, captured their life essence or message. And it went viral. And that was really the beginning of the Because of the Weekend campaign. I just decided to keep it going because so many people were excited by this refresh of or this new take on Black history. And I assume you didn't quit your job right away, right? This was just like a, a fun side hustle, something you were passionate about. By the end of that month, I had quit my job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, when you quit your job, what was what was the vision of how you were going to yeah. survive now with this platform? So it's interesting. Prior to launching the Because of the We Can campaign, I was already putting pieces in place and had already started to put out and speak my vision of being able to work for myself when I was talking mm -hmm. to my husband. So I, I was yep. already talking about that. I was looking at photography as, yes, a way to communicate, but it was also for me a means to an end. And so okay. we had already started having those conversations, but when I launched it because of them, we can campaign and I was talking to Tom Joyner and he was like, you can't stop, you can't drop the mic. And so many people were purchasing calendars and posters because I had also monetized it just because of demand. It wasn't the goal going into it, but I realized at the end of that month, if I'm going to actually keep this going and be able to do it at a level of excellence or at the standard that at least I felt it deserved, I knew I wouldn't be able to have a full-time job and also take on this large task because it was consuming. And so at the end of that month, I actually rendered my resignation. But the great thing about it is my supervisor at the time recognized the value that I brought to the organization. And she was like, you know, I think you're great. I think what you're doing is amazing. Uh, how about you consult? remote Ooh. while you're building this up and while we're looking for your replacement. And so I resigned in February and I think it was by the end of August, I had fully transitioned out, but I got to go a few additional months um, just, just working remotely at a time when you really didn't hear people talking about remote businesses. Yes. That's so do excellent work. You guys, that is so clutch, like to be able to do such good work that people are like, wait, but can you stay on for a bit more and we'll pay you to consult? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Had you started any businesses before this? Because you're very casual about, oh, you know, I left my <laughs> job. I was, I was like, I just need to give this the full effort it needs. Yeah, I had, you know, I think for me, it came from growing up around entrepreneurs too. So mm -hmm. my grandparents on my paternal, paternal grandparents uh, were pastors. And they had a, a okay. thriving church in D.C. that I was attending as a child. And my grandmother uh, had a, a private school, Sunshine Christian Academy, that a number of people in the Washington, D.C. area attended. So it was my grandmother's school. And my aunts and my uncles were administrators and teachers and bus drivers. And, you know, so I grew up around entrepreneurship. And on my mother's side, my, my grandmother owned uh, apartment buildings and she owned a, a bar. And I spent time with her counting out registers and tills. And so it was always something that I was around. And so when I was younger, it would just came natural to have a video game, have a Sega Genesis game and, and, and be done with it and go and sell it to my neighbor. Uh, or in, <laughs> in high school to realize I could buy a bag of candy for, you know, $7 and sell the lollipops for a quarter or 50 cents and make $20 off a bag. And so, 
Yeah, um, I was very entrepreneurial. Uh, never had an official LLC prior to having my photography business, but I already had that entrepreneurial spirit based on the examples that have been set for me and just the the uh, ambition that uh, my parents helped cultivate in me as a child. I just love that. I think having that exposure is so unique. <laughs> you know, n- no pun intended, but what a blessing on both sides to see that and to know that, you know, there's so many people who are in business for themselves and entrepreneurship looks like all these different things. Absolutely. So, okay, you leave, you start doing because of them, we can full time. Mm -hmm. What was your business plan for the business at that point? It was one of those things where we were really building a plane as we were flying it or not even flying it. Right. We were really going off of the momentum and that win from people just being excited about uh, all of the great content that we were putting into the universe. Um, at the yeah. time, the business model was really, it was, it was product-based. Um, okay. You know, people were, we had all this content, all these images. I had a book. Um, and so the book was very successful. We sold, you know, tens of thousands of copies of the books that I self-published. Wow. Um, and so that was a huge piece of it. And then we got to see how we could take that book into schools and into communities and, help little people, help young people rather, uh, reimagine themselves by helping them to uh, dress up as the individuals that we had taken pictures of over the last few months. And so it ended up being a product-based business with apparel and calendars and posters. And then the book had really great margins because I had taught myself how to produce uh, offshore. And so we were manufacturing products in China. So I had these amazing margins. Um, and I just learned how to do that from burning the midnight oil, staying up uh, really late uh, on Google, yep. on Alibaba, you know, just figuring it out, talking <laughs> to people, yep. uh, presenting myself to be a man uh, so that the people wouldn't uh, try to take advantage Wait, of me. did you just say presenting myself to be a yes, man? <laughs> yes, When I was to talk to manufacturers in China, they automatically assumed that I was a sir and I didn't do anything to change their mind because that was the default and I didn't know if it worked, would work to my advantage or not. And so I just, you know, kept that hat on as I was negotiating and talking and working out samples and really just trying to uh, fake it until I made it and really understood what I was doing, but had really amazing margins. And then I uh, started to attract uh, brands and uh, organizations who saw the opportunity to align with me to create culturally relevant content and to help them with their multicultural efforts, which was really challenging because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing anything exploitative uh, when it came to these legacies and when it came to the individuals that we were uplifting, your Martin Luther Kings, your Muhammad Ali's, your Rosa Parks. And so it was a very slow walk to to, um, that model, Uh, but we were able to get a couple of really amazing partners whom we felt really believed and uh, walk the walk of uh, what we're trying to promote through because of them we can. And it just grew from there. And I just learned how to earn money, grow money, but then reinvest that money back into the business and back into different ideas and products um, and things that we thought had staying power. Did you think you would do that for the rest of your life or were you already starting to think of other ideas? Um, I because of the weekend was supposed to be a 28 day campaign. So the immediate answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, um, I was really, I was really successful in the corporate space. Uh, really yeah. successful, doing really well. 
and had found my voice and was hit my stride. And so when I initially launched it, it was only supposed to be 28 days. And when I originally quit my job, it was only going to be for a year. I was like, I'm going to quit for a year. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to you know, figure out what I want to do. So no, it was the, the plan was never to be doing this forever. But even though the work was a lot and it was very stressful due to a number of different dynamics, what I realized is this was purpose work and that it was work that was much bigger than me. And I couldn't say that about my previous jobs, that it was bigger than me. It was just, you know, punching the clock and doing the task. But when I started to see the young people that we were impacting and I started to hear the stories from teachers and community members um, and parents and even starting to notice things in my own children when it came to their knowledge base or their self-esteem, I realized it was an opportunity to shift, but not in a way where I could really uh, anticipate or imagine what that shift would look like or how 10 years later, you know, people, so many people come up to me and say, you know, I have this business that's in Target or here. And I just want to let you know, I started yeah. this line of dolls or I started this after I saw because of we can't because it spoke to me. Wow. So I never could have imagined any of that. But I think that's just yeah. how things work. You, you go in a direction of your fears. At what stage did you start building the blocks for the Culture Tags brand? Yeah, I think, um, you know what's funny? A lot of people don't know this, um, but I actually started, you know, sometimes you just gotta kind of go back and, and, and look back over some of the things you used to do in the past. Way back in the day, I had a site called WTDTA. Really? What's that mean? Where they do that at? Yeah, it was a user. I would lose culture tags. I would lose so bad. (laughs) I I don't know how people get in these. (laughs) How? But I had a site called WTDTA.com and it was a user generated site. And that was my first call. That was my first actual website um, that I had built uh, working with contractors offshore uh, through a site called Elance at the time. Um, But so when you talk about building blocks, you know, like there are Mm -hmm. there are hints. All throughout your life, where if you look back, it's right. like, wow, like right. actually, it didn't right. start in 2019. It actually yeah. started back in 2010, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, culture tags is based on my lived experience, right? I, 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 yes. I mean, it, it is what it is. But when it comes to the actual idea for the game, uh, I want to say that that happened in like 2019. But um, it was a natural progression because what I've been able to identify, whatever I create or whether it's a new brand, uh, whether it's a new product, for me, the consistent thread is culture and community. And so it's always going to have that as the thread. Does it celebrate culture? Does it celebrate community? Does it invite people in? And because of the can absolutely does that. And culture tax absolutely does that. And for people who know me in high school, I was voted... I was a class president, but I was also a class comedian. And what, what Culture Tags has allowed me is the opportunity to really infuse my personality outside of the buttoned up blazer and, you know, yep. the, the polished piece, which is an aspect of who I am, but there's so much more right. to me. But what happens yes. when we get in this social media space and we're building businesses, people determine who we are and we might be like that. But sometimes we have to play that role and we have to stay in that frame. And Culture Tags gave yeah. me the opportunity to expand and to show more yes. of my personality. And so I would say 2019. 
there's so much more to each of us. Like, yes, I like, you know, entrepreneurship content, but I also, I want to laugh. Ah, I like, I want to share different things. So exactly. that makes sense. And you define yourself as a cultural architect and a brand builder. And I think that is so on point, right on the money. Like that's what you're doing. Basically, you are designing intentionally these experiences that your customers are having. So what was the difference between starting a product-based business versus a media company? Yeah, um, for me, it was a natural segue. Uh, so when I launched Because Then We Can, like I said, it was we were really surviving off product sales, um, mm -hmm. which were doing really well. And then we started to get uh, sponsorship from brands. And then brands started to reach out to me to do certain things, like they reach out to influencers now. But what I realized is that I was getting a certain bag based on the fact that they just thought I was an influencer. And what I knew uh -huh. is I have a marketing background and I know I know how this engine works. And so what I understood was that while, yes, um, because when we can was able to uh, bootstrap and raise money based off of product sales, the sponsorship dollars were also just very, very lucrative. And I knew that in order for brands and organizations to really approach me with the seriousness that I deserve, I needed to put the infrastructure in place to support that type of business model. And so yes. um, it was very, when you run a product-based business, it could really be, obviously you're, you're at the mercy of your vendors or your manufacturers, uh, but it could really, you could really have the attitude of like, I'm going to get this done. I'm going to do this. I'm going to knock it out. When you go into a service-based business, that's still a reality, but it's really, it's really about your team. Because you can't be all things to all people. You know, you have to have an account manager. You have to have somebody in finance. You have to have, um, you know, somebody who's doing the, the unsexy administrative stuff. You really cannot do everything. And so for me, it really helped me to hone in on the importance of village and the importance of having a really solid team of players who could be iron to me to help me not only to establish the company, but to grow, scale and sustain it. How did you find those people? Did it start with close friends and family or were you going on to job sites to find absolute strangers? Uh, absolutely started with uh, friends and family. And listen, most of the friends and family that it started with, I'm not, you know, they're cool. I see them, you know, hey, what's up? How, you, how are you doing? God speed, yeah. God bless you. But, you know, a lot of those were seasonal um, appointments or opportunities or or just really what I needed in that moment. But when it came time to really grow and scale and to do the things that required the skill set in order to be able to demand the dollars uh, or the recognition that we wanted, had to kind of dig a little bit deeper. But I've been fortunate. You know, I have people working for me uh, who've been with me since 2015. Um, I have yeah. somebody who's working with me. Uh, he's my managing director. I actually hired him fresh out of school back in 2010 was able to wow. rehire him when I launched my own business. Um, and a lot of the other people have come either by referral. Um, some of them have come through job messaging boards or sites, but a lot of the people who rock with me or whom are within the company have come from somebody knowing somebody who's known somebody and being able okay. to really vet the individual uh, that way. But, we, but I also had somebody, one of my best employees, uh, I call her your grace. She'll know who I'm talking about. Um, she slid my DMs a couple years ago. Really? Slid in my DMs on Twitter and was like, I just want to see my resume. I don't know if you have an internship available, 
but I would yes. love to work with you. And I was really busy at the time. So I was like, who would just email me a resume? I'm really responsive mm-hmm. when people DM me. I, I, I just believe in um, just not, not being unaccessible. And so I, I was like, send yeah. me a resume. And like, I was busy, right? So I didn't say when I would get back. I just couldn't get back. And she was very tactful. And her follow-up, like it wasn't annoying. It wasn't um, entitled. It wasn't like an entitlement type of energy, which I, which I get a lot. Yeah. It was like, like I know you're busy. Just tell me when you think I should follow back up because I don't want to hound Ooh. you. And I was like, dang, like, call me That's now. Good. Call me right now. <laughs> And she called, yeah, she called me. And when I talked to her, I was like, nah, she reminds me of me at this age. Mm. And then I called somebody on my team and was like, look at her resume. She had worked with attorneys. And I was like, nah, she's worked with attorneys. And I was like, well, she's working public relations and marketing. And I remember when I was getting ready to make her offer and she gave me her number, I was like, nah, like I went above that number by at least like 30%. And I was like, wow. we're not going to do that number. We're going to do this number. We're going to do benefits. We're going to do this. And, um, you know, it's been great. Like, she's been an amazing addition to the team. But she's looking at my DMs. And while that doesn't work for everyone, there was just something about her tactfulness and her ability to get through to me that let me know she would be super valuable <laughs> internally <laughs> if she needed to get through to a client or yes. just that level of... Um, you know, maturity, I just, it jumped out to me. So yeah, people have come from all over. So there isn't a one, a one size fits all type of way that I've uh, recruited, but a lot of people have come from, uh, you know, being able to be vetted through my village uh, or people who know folks. You're saying so much. I just have so many questions percolated in my head. I mean, first of all, you touched on, we were starting to talk about the building of culture tags. And then you talked about, you touched on raising money for because of them we can't. And usually when people think of raising money, they're thinking in the sense of, you know, venture capital money, raising for this huge scalable business. So can you talk about your experience and what you meant when you said that? Oh, I said bootstrap. Yeah, I did not do a bootstrap. race for because then we can. Okay. Um, I didn't do okay. a race for culture brand. So let me back up a little bit when I went from the Because Then We Can model to culture brands, which gave me the agency yes. model with our own owned and operated properties. Um, all of yes. that has been bootstrap culture tags. Okay. We did a Kickstarter, okay. which was funded within the first few hours. And so that was really my only raise. And we had the funds to fund culture tags, but I really felt like culture tags was for the culture and the culture should be included in that win. And so that's yes. why we did that raise. Now, fast forward from Because of We Can to Carter Tags, now to my new company, Happy Hughes. I did yes. do a raise for Happy Hughes. I did a, um, okay. what you call it, a, a SPV, so a special purpose vehicle with a family mm-hmm. and friends raise there. But for Because of We Can oh. and Carter Brands, I bootstrapped by reinvesting the money uh, back into the business. Ooh, tell us more about this SPV. Why did you decide to go that route? And you know what does that entail? Yeah, so in 2019, when I had the idea for Culture Tags, I also had the idea for um, what would become Happy Hughes. And the reason I decided to pursue Culture Tags was because I knew Culture Tags was a paper product. And I had produced books, calendars. I was like, I know how to do this. I know how much money it's going to cost. I got that right now. It's, it's yep. no liability. Like, we can get it done. 
uh, with Happy Hughes, I was like, we're talking about uh, babies and toddlers mm-hmm. and sensitive mm-hmm. skin and, you know, all sorts of things. And I had I, I, the only diaper I had produced was the ones I pulled out of pack to put on my children. Um, and so I knew I was going to have to do tons of research, knew I was going to need money for that R&D, money for attorneys. And I was like, I don't have it right now. Um, and so the goal was we're going to launch Contra Tags. I think it's going to be successful. I have a feeling it's going to be good. And I have a feeling it's going to be a game show. And then I'm going to take that yes. money and I'm going to use that to launch Happy Hughes. And essentially that's what we did. But in doing so, um, also realized this idea is so massive and so big. And it's one of those yes. opportunities where I see the full story with the opening of the book. Whereas what, yes. because of the we can, I told you I was figuring it out as I was going along with it. Right. It's only now right. that we have the solid plan, right? Or with Culture Tags, it was like, this is a game, it's gonna be a game show, but that's it, right? With yeah. Happy yeah. Hughes, it was like, this is gonna be massive. Like this is a billion dollar idea and it's way bigger than me, way bigger than my pockets. And we can go further faster with more people involved. And so I wanted to do a family and friends raise because I've had all these people in my life the last 10 plus years who have supported me and been my cheerleader or you even say, you know, I've followed you since the beginning. And I wanted to give people an opportunity to say like, don't just support me and share my content or don't just like Mm -hmm. tell me you're proud of me as a friend, like win with me, like let's win together. And so I was able to do a um, SPV raise, which is a special purpose vehicle. It's like an LLC. It's a disregarded entity. We work with a, a site called Carta. And I basically made the minimum $5,000 where I said to my family and friends, like, I, I didn't want it to have to be an accredited investor because my parents are accredited investors, uh, whereas some of my friends might be, right? So I wanted everybody to be able to participate. And I only wanted one entity on my cap table because I know in the future I'll do additional raises. And I didn't want to Mm -hmm. say, okay, I've got 60 friends or I've got 50 friends who are going to put in at least minimum 5K. I didn't want to have those 50 or 60 individuals on my cap table because to at the next raise or when I actually do an official raise, that could be a little off-putting. And so we formed the SPB and and there are people like my parents and my sister and people I've grown up with, but there are also people like Pinky Cole from Slutty Vegan Mm -hmm. or Olivia Jolly Jones or... um, um, uh, Arsha Jones from Capital City Mumbo Sauce, or my girl Keisha. Go Arsha, I love Arsha. <laughs> Arsha's amazing. Or my girl Keisha, who's chief people person at Tory Burch. Like, there are just so many people who are amazing from all different walks of life. And I knew I could tap into their networks and their knowledge base um, by having them be equally invested in the success of the Happy Hughes Company beyond being proud of me for acting on another. Uh, vision or another purpose-driven work that I felt um, I needed to do. Yes. And I'm so glad you broke that down because one of the things that is so impressive to me is you used each business. You were able to, you know, take the money that you were making and reinvest it into bringing forth these new visions to life. And a lot of times in our community, we talk about that, the funds, right? The raising capital, the how are we going to invest in this? Yes, there are some things that are going to be beyond our own pockets, but that you were able to say, okay, I know what that's going to cost for this. And I got that. I got that in my account. Absolutely. That's huge. It's, it's important. Like, I mean, and, and there were years where like, man, I, 
I rocked the same blazer over and over again, right? Like, mm-hmm. there were years where my peers were like, yo, I just bought a new car. And I was like, that's nice. You know, like, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't participate oh, in that. I couldn't participate yeah. in that. Um, personally, I could be happy for them, but I couldn't replicate that on my side because I had to put the money back into the business. I mean, it wasn't until um, the year that I launched Carter Tags that I finally went on payroll. Like I, everybody on my wow. team, you know, was on payroll and getting paid. I was doing draws from the business. You know, I had a certain amount that I knew I needed and I would just take a draw. And then I was able to with Carter Tags and the success there and some other things that had just started really working in my favor from years of just doing the work. I was like, okay, I fi- and I could have went on payroll before then, just to be clear, I was just yeah. so scared. Right. Like I was just like, ah, I'm just so nervous. I'll take care of me. Yeah. Last. Right. Yeah. And um, but yeah, just putting the money back in the business and really just making that sacrifice and um, really helped me to reinvest. And so with each business from because when we can to culture tags, being able to get culture tags done. That was at the beginning of the pandemic when Target said, yes, I need hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to. Um, you know, get the inventory. And I had it, you know, I was able to get it without uh, borrowing money. And then with Happy Hughes, that was hundreds of thousands of dollars to even, um, you know, do all the research, do the production run. And again, just taking from one business and being able to be disciplined enough to be able to say like, okay, here's how we're going to make this work. But then obviously with Happy Hughes also knowing, okay, you got it to this point, but to go from this point to that point, you're going to need a little bit more uh, gas in your tank. The Shine Online, hosted by Natasha Samuel, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Natasha interviews the brightest entrepreneurs she knows to bring you no-fluff advice. So honest discussions about the mental health and lifestyle aspect of entrepreneurship and actionable strategies and success stories of those who've mastered the art of shining online. Now, I recently checked out her episode called The Anatomy of a Great in it, Natasha breaks down tips to master short and long form content. And I'm always trying to optimize and make my social media videos as engaging and impactful as possible while also getting people to take action. So this episode was definitely helpful and I think you guys will love it as well. Listen to The Shine Online wherever you get your podcasts. Just to be clear, before we get into a little bit more about culture tax and happy hues, mm-hmm. so the revenue model for because of them we can, it shifted to more of a media platform, right? So you were no Correct. longer doing products for it, or were you still doing products for it? Yeah, we're still doing products, and we still do products. I mean, I, I literally uh-huh. had a Black History box for kids okay. um, that ran from 2018. This is our last year uh, because we're moving mm-hmm. to like a virtual model with it. But yeah, we've done products, backpacks. Uh, I feel like if you're from the DMV, you might hear T-shirts, sweatshirts, footwear, and boots. Like, we were doing everything. <laughs> like, I mean, there was no limit to the type of products yeah. that we produce. And we still produce products, but just at a different cadence. Um, and so products is, is definitely a very significant piece of our revenue model, as yes. is um, media. So from mm-hmm. banner ads and things like that, or um, media buys from brands, uh, and also like branded content, we just really moved more into the direction of the experience that I came out of college with and was able to kind of manage firsthand when it comes to how we look at internally, we call it Botwick, 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a media platform. Uh, you okay. might call it a, or it's been described as a, a global megaphone for Black excellence. Um, so yeah. So now when you launched Culture Tax, how did you know that it was going to not just be something that people support and retweet and repost on social media, but actually physically buy and want to play? Yeah, I just knew it. Like I kept, so when I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I was online one day and I saw this long acronym and there were hundreds of comments, like hundreds. Yeah. Where everyone was like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with us? Why do we know what this says? <laughs> and my, my prayer to God is like, Lord, let me see it and act on it. Uh-huh. Like before it's obvious. And when I looked yep. at it, I was like, this is a game. And just yep. like... I just knew it and I started testing it out. Uh, that's how I knew. I started testing it out with my family, with people I didn't know. I would like write on my notes app. I would like write a, a culture tag and put it up to somebody yeah. and I would describe it. And then I would like have a crowd at some point at a family member's house or even my <laughs> house, um, New Year's Eve 2019. I had a, I have a, we have a big party every New Year's Eve and um, I had like 400 culture tags. And I was like, I'm going to test this game out. We're gonna see what happens. And listen, if the if the folks here say it's good, it's good because that's all we did at these gatherings. We played games, and normally it'd be like spades, bit with you know the, the the normal uh roundup. I was like, let's try to introduce this. And at that night, it was a hit. But when I really knew it was a hit, whether people knew it came from me or not, was I was I think doing karaoke. And I looked to my left and there was like this just uproar of laughter and screaming in my kitchen. And I was like, what are they doing? Because we played the game like an hour ago. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. They were playing the game. They were literally <laughs> like playing the game. Playing and it I, again? They were playing it and I was I was not involved in it. For me, it was like, this is it. It's going to be successful. Yes. Because it doesn't require me to say buy this. Like once you yeah. see it, you get it. And I didn't want to have to be the face of, of culture tags, right? Well, because I'm yeah. can for a long time, I was the face. I was like, hey, I'm the founder. Like that's draining and that's very limiting. Um, and so I did not want to have to be the face of culture tags. And at the end of that night, a friend of mine was like, can I borrow these? And I was like, borrow what? Like some hot sauce? Like you want to borrow what? And she was like, I want to borrow these cards. And I was like, these cards? And she was like, yeah, I'm having a party tomorrow and I want to play it and I was like okay and then like the next day or the day after her event she was like it was a hit and she like gave me she gave me like all this feedback and was like the font is too small or you know do this and do that and you know this is what some people said on this side but I knew it was a hit because it had started to travel and people were like can I buy it like when can I buy it from you and I was like give me a second and by the next month I I had the kickstarter up and going I love this story and I love the fact that you tested it like you know it was it went beyond testing it on social it was like physically seeing people engage and reacting to that game I love it and the not being the face thing is huge right So there's actually been a little bit of the debate recently this week right about how draining it can be to start a business promote it on social media and be the face But I think what your experience shows is what I believe is the value of social media. Like 
it is so powerful that you can build something which allows you to make money and to get into a certain space financially to then create other things where you don't have to be the face, okay? Absolutely. You can transition, like life is not just one thing. So, you know, what what has been your experience with launching it now, being in Target and all these other things and like seeing it kind of live in its own sphere without you as the face? No, it's been amazing. Um, you know, I appreciate it. I also appreciate a lot of people know that I'm behind it, which is interesting, mm-hmm. too. Um, yeah. You know, I, I was laughing because there were some uh, videos that went viral of these brothers that are really dope out of Morehouse doing these things called Black Renems. And uh, ah. I was looking because there were so many comments like, a black woman made this. It's called your tag. Y'all might as well play on your tag. It's a black woman. Like, I mean, hundreds of comments on shade rooms. I love when world. people do that. And yes. I was like, oh, this is Support. funny. Yeah. But I'm like, so for me, it, it's, 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 it feels good to know that folks know that a black woman's behind it, whether they know it's me right. or not, is irrelevant. Um, yeah. But it feels good too to know that I don't have to be the spokesperson. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. so draining. If I need, like, I do think that if I need to do a video, I will absolutely do it, but it has been a yeah. little liberating to see it exist in other areas um, and to see it be able to thrive without me saying, you know, click by now or to see it right. evolving into other areas that I said uh, three years ago that it would evolve into, which is that game show space. Um, which, yes. you know, I, I can't talk too much about, but no, right. like, I was going to say, tell you about the game yeah, show. Okay. I'll tell you, like, I won't be the host. Um, okay. you know, and, and that's exciting for me, um, to, to not have to be so tied to it and to see it take on a life of its own, uh, because yeah. Carter Tags is, 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 is built on the fact that it's communication. It's another way to communicate. And yeah. it, it existed before I created the game. I just gave yeah. it a name. I put some shape and some right. form around to it and gamified it. Uh, but it already existed because black folks are just so freaking funny and we are so yes. innovative <laughs> and we are hilarious. And that has been my just experience. So creative. And we're so creative. You know, I just came in and uh and said it's culture tax and mm-hmm. you can actually buy it in a packaged form. But whether yeah. I did that or not, it would still exist just without a name. Yes. And so Yes. It's been, uh, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been really exciting to see that happen and to take on a life of its own. That game show thing. I'm so impressed by that. I didn't know about that. Is that something you pitched to a network or someone came to you? I don't think I can talk too much about it, but I'll say that, uh, what, what we're going to have to have is, a, we'll have have a follow up, but, um, yes. yeah, I mean, when you, you know, you do have to pitch to networks and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. all of that was definitely a part of the mix. Um, but I'm really excited, hopefully, you know, sooner than later to be able to um, tell you more about it and to be able to come back okay. and share. But I, when I yeah. first launched the game and checked my Twitter, I said, I'm working on something and I think it has a game show potential. And I've Ooh. been well, one, one thing about me and I think in general, not just me, but people in general should recognize. And I'm sure you recognize and a lot of your listeners mm-hmm. do is, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And nope. it's not lying. If I say I'm launching this and it's going to be a game show, then I really do believe that God and all things in the universe are going to conspire with me because I'm going to bust my tail to make that happen. If I say Happy Hughes is going to be on shelves in retail and it's going to be a billion dollar company, it's going to happen because I'm going to bust my tail God and the universe are going to work on my behalf to make it so, and because it's bigger than me. 
Culture tags going in stores and going way past um, expectations for that game at that time opened up so many doors for other black creators in the game space to be on shelves at at Target. When I went to Target, it was Black Heart Revolt and it was Culture Tags. Go there now. There are so many other black owned games. And I know that Culture Tags helped part those waters because we killed it when it came to our numbers. And so it doesn't just benefit me to be successful. It doesn't just benefit me to say something's going to happen and for it to come to fruition. You have to hold the door open and you have to know that the work that you do is going to make the work of somebody else possible. And so you got to start saying things, not just keeping it in your head, but taking that risk to tweet it, to talk about it, and then to also do the work, right? And then to get to the point where the work speaks for itself and you can look up and say, well, wow, three years ago or four years ago, I said I was going to launch Carter Tags and it was going to fund Happy Hughes. And damn, mm-hmm. look at us. Like, it's exactly what's happening. Um, and so, yeah, you, I just am a firm believer in speaking life into my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations. And I try not to say anything um, detrimental or that can be perceived as yes. negative or when it comes to my yeah. kids, when it comes to myself or even other people, because mm-hmm. words have power. just so impressed when when you came out with culture tags I was like boom this is it so <laughs> when I saw you launching happy hues I'm like wait a minute this is another business <laughs> I was like where does she get the bandwidth for this mm-hmm. and I just also thought about you know a lot of times when I talk to people on this show the effort it takes to get into retail get into target to keep fulfilling manage that that order load it sounds like so much that I couldn't believe that you are doing this plus also taking this on for another CPG product so tell me a little bit about your experience with this and and how you manage that whole bandwidth and process yeah so what you just said was actually one of the voices in my head that had to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, people are going to be like, oh, here we go again. There's something else. Uh, yeah. I had to fight my willingness to care about that. And I had to say to myself that the box that other people create for me is not mine to maintain. And for Ooh, me... Say that again. <laughs> for me... I had to say, what is my grading system when it comes to my ideas, my visions, and my dreams? I have visions and dreams all the time. I have ideas all the time. I give ideas away because I'm like, yo, it would be dope if somebody did X, Y, and Z. I don't have the interest or the bandwidth, but you should do it. Free ideas all day. All day I do stuff like that. I give ideas away. I I love that. (laughs) Because I I know I can't do it. But with Happy Hues, when I look at my, my, my grading system or my rule book for what I will pursue, one, I couldn't shake it. Every time I tried to pivot, every time I tried to forget about it and say, well, no, I'm making good money over here or no, yeah. well, this is, this is happening. Or, or, you know, my agency, I have amazing clients or we want the Hyundai business. Like there's so many different reasons why I could be like, I'm not going to pursue this, but it did not matter. It kept coming back to the surface. And what I looked at is, you know, does it celebrate culture? Does it celebrate community? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was also, why do we need it? Because then we can. 
why did we need a, a black girls code or black girls rock or you know in the acp obviously there are a number of reasons why we need those organizations but when you look at systems and how systems are developed and created i started to look at the fact that man as a child i had no character that looked like me when it came to dressing myself and the first garment i put on it was always strawberry shortcake Little Mermaid, and it wasn't our Ariel now or Ariel, right? It, it wasn't. Yep. It wasn't her. And then I started asking my mother, and, and and it all came from me going to put uh training pants on my daughter and seeing Cinderella and saying like, all right, there's got to be something else tonight because <laughs> I just right, don't want to put. I I'm not doing Cinderella tonight. And then yeah. I realized there were no other options, and Princess Tiana was only uh, a limited edition or wasn't available. And, and mass and that's wrong because then it teaches that there is you know one over the other like this is the this is the image that we should all accept and normalize and then the others you know we'll, we'll deal with them when we when we see them that's wrong and so i said you know it, i don't want to do a uh diaper or training pants company that is for black kids only because you have we have a very multicultural and diverse world, especially knowing that one out of every two babies born in the United States is a baby of color and Latin, Latino and Latina babies and Asian babies and you know all different races outside of just white and Caucasian um, children right. experience this where they don't see themselves. And yes. I wanted to create something that felt like community amongst the babies, community mm -hmm. amongst the toddlers so that they could grow up normalizing these unique differences and appreciating them um, while we try to develop the sense of pride and, and joy and happiness during a time that is the most influential time of their lives, zero to five years old. And so for me, it was really um, a simple yes when I figured out that there was a consistent thread there and that this was just attacking the problem a little earlier on. And when it came to actually executing it, I think my ability to do it comes from having great teams in place. So mm -hmm. you said something in the beginning about you start one thing, you get into a great space, then you move on to the next. I can't do everything at the same time. It's impossible. You won't do it well. And so I've been able yep. to figure out like, what do I need in team? What do I need in project managers or um, human resources in general to be able to move these ideas forward without me physically having to do yes. it on my own? And yes. that is what has given me the ability to expand and to mm -hmm. and to stretch out is because there is a solid team under Because When We Can. There is a solid team working on culture tags. There's a solid team working on the agency side of my business. And there's a solid team for Happy Hughes. And there are a lot of efficiencies that we get too, right? Being able to um, overlap some things um, and being a very, I'm not, we don't have a huge team. You know, I'm not a hundred person company. But we've been able to be super efficient when it comes to how we do things. And I think the work doesn't change. Once you learn how the system works, it becomes, very, it becomes easier to replicate that success or to at least know the formula necessary mm -hmm. to reach success. And so happy use is a huge challenge because I'm, you know, people might look at it and say, well, you're taking on legacy brands. And really, I'm not, I'm not taking on anyone. You know, I'm, I'm looking to be there with them, right? And obviously, yes. I want to be able to peel away market share, but yeah. people deserve uh, an alternative. And mm -hmm. I can appreciate the fact that I use a certain brand for my children, but I can also appreciate the fact that 
We live in a world that's constantly constantly changing and evolving, and there should be a Black-owned um, diaper and training pants company on shelves and retail that speak to all of us and not the wealthy yes. part of us, right? Not people who have yes. celebrity or just access to endless amounts of money. Like, let's 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 take a mom that has three kids and got it out the mud and is working with the community mm-hmm. to actually present a very solid and well-received product, well-reviewed product. And let's see what happens when we decide that that one too deserves to be a winner. Um, and so yeah, yeah, it just came from, you know, knowing the formula and the formula doesn't change. Um, knowing it just helps you to figure out like who you need to put in place and, um, yes. you know, what you're working towards. And how long was it from research and development to actually being produced? Mm, so R&D for Happy Hughes started uh, early on in 2019. And we launched Happy Hughes. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Not early. Uh, it started around October of 2019. Um, because that's actually my son's birthday was when I pulled the training pants out the uh, out the um the pack and, and, and sent it to my husband. So October 2019 to February 2023. Um, so it, it took some time. It took some years to, wow. to, to get it to a good space and took tons of, a lot of that was sampling, sampling uh-huh. and working with different factories. And even though I didn't publicly do any testing, I tested, I gave samples to moms that I knew. I gave samples to daycare centers um, and asked, like, can you let me know what you think? Yeah. You know, what do you think about this product? What do you think about these designs? Do these speak yeah. to you? Um, I did surveys before I ever produced a product, before I ever requested a sample. I had at least uh, 50 mothers answer a questionnaire, an anonymous questionnaire. And so a lot of it was resource and uh, information gathering. But yeah, it took uh, a little over three years to go from wow. research and to actual execution. So what's it been like since um, releasing and launching and and stepping into this world? It's been exciting. It's been really exciting. Um, It's been uh, very humbling, too, um, because you just never know how people are going to react. I knew that Mm -hmm. in order to make a splash, if you will, we had to have a solid name. Uh, I don't think we could have did anything better, better than Big Ups by the Happy Hughes Company. (laughs) Yes, yes. Right. Um, And we had to have a solid product and we'll continue to Mm -hmm. iterate and to improve it. But man, out the gate, the the response has been amazing. We've gotten people who are said, you know, my my child just outgrew diapers and I found out about big ups. And so it was no question. And I'm getting uh, it's very diverse, you know, when it comes to our customer base and the mothers who are purchasing for their children. And it's people who recognize the multicultural world that we live in. And so uh, the re- the reception has been great. Uh, I want to go. I want to go faster. Um, but yeah. you have to, you have to, you have to sure. really pace yourself. Um, yeah. I'm getting ready to um, uh, make my first real hire. We're we're getting ready to start working with um, the Kind Collective uh, to do our recruiting. So we're getting ready to hire okay. a um, a salesperson um, to mm-hmm. really have those conversations with grocery stores and wholesalers, distributors, etc. To uh, really help accelerate what we know is an amazing product and put it in front of people because i mean it's when you see it you know you're like wow i never i never saw anything like that and then when you, when you yeah. use it it's comparable if not better 
Um, but it's, 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 it at least meets the bar of, of the competitors and then a lot of feedback that we're getting. People are saying it's better. And so it's exciting. Um, I, I, it's also tough, too, to be honest with you, though, because as you know, I'm here. I have more than one business. Um, and so I'm equally excited about each and every one of them for different reasons. Um, mm -hmm. But Happy Hughes is definitely one that keeps me up because it's the it's the newest one. It's a baby. And I mean, it's crawling and I'm ready for it to run. Right. But yes. it's also like once that baby starts running, it's no slowing it down. And yep. so I'm also using this opportunity to just put the important pieces in place to ensure that once it starts running, that we can keep up and we can maintain that growth. And what's been your experience on the money side? You know, most people are losing money when they first come out the gate with their business across all three of your brands. What has been the experience? Man, I've, I've lost money. I've made money. Um, you know, there were years where I lost more than I made. <laughs> Man, <laughs> like, yeah, we don't have enough time to talk through. Uh, lost money, had money taken, you know, broker with the Ooh. wrong people. I mean, there are so many different lessons that I could drop here. But uh, I'm thankful to be in a space where collectively I'm making more uh, than I'm losing, right? We are on uh -huh. the positive side of things. Um, when it comes to, and whenever you first start a business, you're going to be in the hole, right? So what happy here is if I put out, you know, 300,000 or more of my own money, it's going to take a, a little, not a lot, but it's going to take a while to, 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 to break even, um, with that investment. And so that's, that's to be expected though. And that should be planned, um, and, and baked into the plan. Right. Uh, but I'm thankful that, because I have multiple streams, I'm a huge advocate for multiple streams, you know, businesses ebb and flow, um, you know, they go up, they go down, you know, during the pandemic, there were months with uh, culture tags that I was hitting half a million dollars a month in sales off of just my website, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then there are months where maybe I'm doing, you know, 50 or a hundred, mm -hmm. um, but it ebbs and flows. And if you have, for me, I have a couple different things in the mix that it all balances out in a good way. But I think that if you're going to launch a business or obviously running a business, you know, you're going to lose money. The goal is to get it to the point where eventually, you know, that ship turns and you're making more than you're losing. And uh, that's the space that I'm in. And it also comes from having like good finance people around too, to say like, Hey, yeah, all right. How long are you going to let this go? You know, like how many lost meals do you need? You know, like you, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you got to have those people in your, in your, in your circle and in your village to be able to, you know, pull you to the side because at the end of the day, you have to be profitable. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've grown slow, no matter what you've seen, you know, there are other brands, media companies that started around the same time as because we can, they're probably making far more money, probably have massive amounts of teams. Um, investors, yeah. et cetera, but I've chosen to take a slower path because ownership is very important to me um, mm -hmm. and being able to create the beat that we march to is important and peace of mind and sleep and rest is important. Um, what does it matter if you have, you know, endless amounts of money and can't sleep at night? That's not wealth to me. And so, yeah. you know, you got to, for me, I've just been comfortable with the pace that I've been going at and have thankfully got to a point where, um, you know, making more than I'm losing and, and I'm not losing as much now as I used to in the beginning because I've learned more and I've learned how to cut losses faster. 
and I've learned how to move a little bit slower when it comes to pulling the trigger on things that might not be necessary right now. And so that's all come from the experience that each business has afforded me. And, and that's just so powerful. That's what it all comes down to. Those lessons, those lessons that you take from one and apply to the other. <laughs> so before we wrap up, uh, we're going to do a quick lightning round. You just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. You ready? I'm nervous. All right. Ah, do dopey, dopey. All right. So number one, um, what's a resource that comes to mind that has helped you in all of your businesses that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Yeah, I'm going to be real. I'm going to keep it real simple. Uh, Google. Ah. Google has, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, people are like, how did you figure out, you know, your manufacturers or it's like Google. Like I have spent a lot of time on Google. I spent a lot of time on YouTube. Um, I think sometimes it is that simple. I think we overcomplicate things. And I think that mm-hmm. Google and, you know, now people are talking about chat GPT and you uh-huh. know, AI. Uh-huh. It depends on, you know, how you want to get your answer. But I would yep. definitely say that those search engines, whether it's an AI backed one or, you know, Google have helped me tremendously um, and continue mm-hmm. to help me. So <laughs> number two, who is a non-celebrity, non-famous Black woman entrepreneur who you'd want to switch places with for a day and why? Dang, this is lightning. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Just one woman. <laughs> um, probably Carla Harris. Because, um, I mean, she's just... She, uh, Carla Harris or um, Alexis Herman. Oh, Alexis Herman. Ale- but either one of them. But Alexis Herman, uh, you know, first Black woman secretary of labor. She's on multiple boards. I just think that she's yeah. had, she just has, like... Like I've been around her numerous times. She's just like so smooth, so well respected. And she's mm-hmm. one of those operators from behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And I think that like people who can operate from behind the scenes and be as successful as she is are people who just know the inner workings of systems. And I would just be, I would love to be her for a day because I just watch how she adds so much value and so much like light to the rooms that she's in. And I think that she gets, I mean, she's on the board of MGM. I mean, she's on some amazing boards where I feel like it's probably fun to be her at this stage in life, too. So <laughs> probably uh, uh, the honorable, my soror, Alexis Herman. Okay, number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your days these days? Um, there are a couple of things, but exercise. I really, over the pandemic, I was just sitting in one spot. So now I'm like, I got to get moving. Um, got to yeah. take care of myself. So exercise is one of those non-negotiables. Movement is a non-negotiable. Okay. Um, and my kids, time with my kids is a non-negotiable. Number four, what is a personal trait about you that has helped you significantly in business? Um, I do not bring emotions to the table. I think that's really helped me to just weed out my emotions and really focus on the goal um, has helped me. I think when you can separate your emotions, even though we're emotional creatures, not acting in those moments and taking time and being patient with letting things play out. And that I feel like that's really helped me. And it's one of the things that um, my team members speak about often in terms of, oh, that was me, I would have blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, let's thank God it wasn't you. Exactly. And also, you can't move like that. Um, yeah. So for me, it's just knowing how to move. It's grace under fire. It's um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's really not bringing my emotions um, to the table. 
And then finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about stepping away from the steady paycheck? Man, uh, it's tough because um, I think that, you know, get you some cushion (laughs) financially, especially now, right? Like it's a tough time. It's an interesting time. And I think that as long as I think that's what makes your 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 podcast so smart, man. As long as you can have your side hustle and still have yeah. your consistent check, do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, stack that money, save your money, and try to get yourself a lot of cushion. Where once you finally step away from that nine to five, you're in a space where you've given yourself a significant amount of room, room. And I'm not talking two, three months. I'm talking 12, 18 months, twenty four months. Where you know, like, if nothing else comes in, my bills are still going to be paid. I'm going to eat. I'm going to sleep well, and I'm going to be good. That's yeah. probably the advice I would give. And there are always situations where you can be strategic and you can be patient like that. But to the extent that you can, I would probably say try to chart out 12, 18, 24 months worth of living expenses because of and it, while you're running your side hustle. Um, because if you have your side hustle and you have a nine to five, you're making good money you stack that money and you want to get to a point where you shift hundred percent to your side hustle and make it your main hustle. That's cool. But like, be a great manager to yourself, right? Mm. Because you want to set yourself up for success and a great manager is going to set you up for success. So set yourself yes. up for success where once you make that pivot, you're not in a space where you feel like you've been thrown into the water with weights. You want to feel like you're in the water. You know where you have to go in terms of your swim, but you have everything that you need to tread to get there. And the only thing that's going to give you there is that financial cushioning that you would have been stacking on the side. And you want to give yourself enough room. Think about it. If you you were your first hire, how long is it going to take for you to get a win or to get consistent wins to feel like you can feed yourself and be okay and sleep well? Give yourself that much run room and revenue so that you're not stressed out at the end of the day. Because when you have to figure out how to pay yourself and then, Lord, let's not even get into paying other people. That's a whole different level of stress. You really begin to appreciate the nine to five in that space. And you really begin to think about, damn, I probably shouldn't have been on Twitter all that time while I was at work (laughs) because... I was wasting their money. Maybe they did have a point. Maybe they did have a point because you're not going to waste your money. And when you get to the point where you see how your money can be wasted, you're going to think differently in the reverse. And so I would say be a good manager to your big boss to yourself first, you know, and give yourself that room room so that you have the cushion to make mistakes and you have the cushion to learn and you have the cushion to figure it out beyond just doing it on the side, but doing it full time. And the only thing that's going to give you that cushion is knowing I got 12 months worth of living expenses mm-hmm. in the bank. That's that's 12 months worth of cushion. Or I've got 18 months where I can fumble, trip, pick it up, keep going, fumble, trip, yes. pick it up, keep going, run and be good versus I got two months. And I, then you start operating <laughs> like somebody, I figure it out you know, you start, yeah. you start being a little irrational. You know, mm-hmm. when you have to move like that. And so I would say give yourself that space so that you can also give yourself the grace that you yes. are going to need to be a full time entrepreneur. And it becomes harder yes. to give yourself or anybody else grace when you don't know how you're going to 
paying your bills or how you're going to mm-hmm. eat. That, I mean, mic drop, you said it all right there. I mean, I just... Being a good boss to yourself. Yes. Let's end on that note, you guys. It's so, so true. I mean, when you get out there and you weren't a good boss to yourself, it's like you can only look at yourself like, what, what, how did I get there? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you yeah. set yourself up for this and don't let those nasty coworkers or even a nasty manager have you quitting too soon and have you out here like, oh, that argument got you hot, but now you're out here and you're struggling. So stay focused get to that goal before you do anything so that you can truly treat your future self well and make sure your future self is not stressed about money. So with that unique, where can people connect with you? Because of them, we can culture tags, culture brands as a <laughs> whole, and happy hues, all the things. Yeah, all the things. <laughs> Listen, yep. I'm gonna keep it real simple. So I'm unique JG on Instagram. I'm unique with yes. an E, E U N I Q U E on Twitter. And uh, if you go to my Instagram, you'll see all my handles uh, right there, and you'll see the link tree to all my sites: happyhues.com, culturetags.com, because of them.com. It's all yes. there. All right. So guys, there you have it. An interview with one of my entrepreneur sheroes, the epitome of strategic multi-passion, um, bringing those visions to life. And I hope you guys learn a lot from this episode. You know where to connect with her. And with that, I will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you will receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon.